This episode is brought to you by Progressive. What would you do with an extra $800? Buy a plane ticket? Pay down your student loans? Treat yourself to those shoes you've been eyeing? With Progressive, you could find out. Drivers who switch and save, save an average of $796 on car insurance. Get your quote online at Progressive.com and see how much you could be saving. National average annual car insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2019. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, universe? Jose Young's here with MMAfighting.com for another episode of the A-Side live chat on, as I said, MMAfighting.com. I'm not in my normal spot. I'm not, I am on the road. I'm not at fight night or whatever. It's, I'm in the beautiful overcast Los Angeles, but I'm going to go to Bellator Media Day later today. And then tomorrow is, I believe, Max Holloway's luncheon. So I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm using videographer extraordinaire Casey Lydon's beautiful camera, which is why I actually look semi-presentable this time. But this week, making his debut on the A-side, uh, I've been asked this every week, literally every single week. It's either when's PT coming back on and when is Danny Segura going to make his A-side live chat? That week is today. Danny, what's up? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Uh, the people got what they wanted. They asked, you, you shall receive. So here I am. They missed you. They missed your beautiful face on Mondays and on the MMA beat. So since obviously that is a process we're working on, uh, but I've been asked every week since I took this over, when is Danny going to come on? When is Pete's going to come on? Pete's been on Danny's on. So you guys got both of your wishes on both of your guest hosts. Uh, I'm really excited to have Danny on. I'm sure he's going to be on a million times. So, but without further ado, we're going to jump into your questions. And as you guys all know, uh, put your comments in the comment section. Uh, you can use go on Twitter, use hashtag the A side, and we'll look for your questions. We might do a little bit different this time because uh, we have a lot of questions, and we're definitely not going to get to all of them. And a lot of them have been greened or recommended, whatever you want to call them. So we're going to be we're going to have to bounce around a lot because we're definitely not going to hit all of them this week. But uh, right off the bat, Danny, China's ban on people who have tattoos. Now that fighters who fight in China must cover up their tattoos, how will this affect the UFC? One championship and other organizations from doing fights in China. Also, with the UFC set to go to China soon, how does this affect how they put a fight card together? I'd like to hear your opinion on the topic. So, yes, Danny, I don't know if you heard, but China uh, has this law regulation. I don't know the, the exact terminology where they don't want uh, actors or anyone with tattoos or quote-unquote hip-hop culture on their television. Uh, it's not specifically aimed at MMA fighters. I just think it's broad, like tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, also, I haven't looked too deep into it, but I read the wording of the actual law, and it seems to be they don't want them broadcast in China. So, if say Jessica Andrade and Wiley Zhang fight on the upcoming chi- card in China, I don't know if it'll be broadcast in China. If that makes sense, but we'll be able to see it here. I just don't know if they can. I don't know if Jessica Andrade can be on television in China, and I, I I know a lot of fighters over there will have to wear rash guards to cover up their cover up their testes. I don't know if that's going to happen. This is a fairly new development in, to me. But uh, what is your opinion on if these fighters might not be able to fight in a market that they're really trying to break into? 
Well, that's uh, another excuse for the UFC to start skipping contenders. You don't have tattoos? All right, well, <laughs> here you go. go. You're, you're <laughs> fighting for the title next. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, um, is it is it only for, for television broadcast or what about streaming? Is that... That's a good question. That is an excellent question. I don't know yeah. that I don't know how China uses streaming because I know like the UK they they have like a different streaming service for the UFC and they have BT Sports and there's Fight TV and ESPN Plus and all that stuff. That's an excellent question that I don't have the answer to. Yeah, I guess you know that, that that's going to be another hurdle that UFC is going to have to deal with if they plan to have events in China. Um, usually, whenever they go to somewhere outside the U.S. and even with the U.S., they, they try to have local fighters on the card, obviously, to sell tickets mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, from from what I remember, you know, and this is just me generalizing, a lot of Chinese fighters don't have that many tattoos. So I guess you know th- that that's a plus. But when you're bringing guys over or girls that you know have tattoos, I guess that'll be an issue. But um, as long as it's not broadcasting, I'm, I'm guessing they're good. I know, for example, in Japan, I think Joe Rogan talked about this like a while ago. Like he used to have to wear long sleeves and cover up his tattoos because tattoos are often seen as as and, and tied with the yakuza and, and seen as sort of like a gangster thing to it um so i guess just another hurdle the ufc is going to have to deal with and yeah but as long as i i think they can they put on the right fights they they, they will continue to go to to china and i 100 percent the only, it will be difficult say like wiley zhang is fighting say this fight wasn't happening in china it was happening in on the newark card say wiley zhang was fighting jessica Andrade in newark and they really want to use wiley zhang as like the face of their new chinese market but they they can't show her fight because she's fighting someone with tattoos. That to me would be the most detrimental. Like it will be very interesting to see if the UFC does move forward saying, say Wiley Zhang does win, beat Jessica Andrade, and now they have a Chinese champion, but they can't show her fights in China. Like I, I mean, don't I guess I, another requirement for a contender is, you know, gotta have right, a laser like, removal, homie. And I believe a lot of them wear rash guards and when they do fight in China, but I don't like, obviously like UFC, if you don't want to wear a rash guard, you don't have to wear a rash guard, but like Jessica Andrade has tattoos, but I don't believe Rose has tattoos. I don't believe Joanna has tattoos, uh, but there's a lot of straw weights uh, that have tattoos in that division. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but that division is unbelievable. So I, it's so good. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how they handle this. But I don't have all the answers. I'm sure we'll talk about this later on. But moving right along, Danny, from Clev21 on oh, that first one, I apologize. If I pronounced this your name wrong. It was Zaku Kokegi. Ounce that. Or, yeah. Ask that first question. So I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, but from Clev21, Cejudo, straight, real simple. Who should slash deserves to get the next shot at Cejudo and who will get the next shot at Cejudo? Uh, Danny, you can start this one if you want. Uh, Henry Cejudo is a triple C, but he is a champ champ. He's the UFC bantamweight and flyweight champion. There's a lot of fighters calling for his name. Um, but who who do you think deserves the first fight and who do you think will get the first fight? Tough question, and um, I actually caught a lot of heat on Twitter recently. Uh, Algernon Sterling like quote tweeted me saying like "Get the fuck out," um, and he was kind of a little bit upset, I guess, at some of the things that I tweeted. Um, all I said was, and I was pretty clear on my tweet, yet people were kind of obviously just just taking out of context. I the, literally the first sentence I said was, "I'm not saying that I want to see Cejudo versus Faber. I'm not saying that." 
but what I am saying is that it's not such a crazy idea now that he has a win over a ranked opponent. Um, I think, and I've always, I've been on record and I told this to, to Sterling too. I, I replied to his tweet. I think he should get the next shot at 135, but that doesn't necessarily mean he should get the next shot period. I think the next guy in line is Joseph Benavides. That's the guy that the only guy that has a win over him and that fight. I don't know if you guys remember it. Um, it was a buildup for, for, uh, from a tough series. So there was a little bit of a rivalry there. And I think, you know, that that's the time when Cejudo was cringy, but without, without really, I guess, bringing it out to the world. And Joseph Benavides would just, would just uh, um, always burn him for that. Um, and it, it was actually a really entertaining fight. There was some controversy there. If you don't remember, uh, Cejudo got deducted a point. Um, I don't remember exactly for, for what it was. It might have been a low kick, um, uh, a low shot. I don't, I don't remember the, the details. But, um, yeah, he was deducted a point. I thought Cejudo uh, probably had the better fight. Nonetheless, Joseph won. It was still very competitive. I think he should get the next shot. I think there's a storyline there. I think Henry Cejudo has the opportunity to defend the belt at both weight classes, something, you know, champ champs haven't been doing in the recent years. And I think that'll set him apart from any other champ champs. Amanda Nunes is currently uh, trying to attempt that. Uh, but, you know, we saw her at 135. We've yet to see her at 145. If Cejudo can 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 do that, I think it'll put, put him apart from all the other champ champs. And on top of that, you know, it, it's a fun fight. It's a, it's a fight that Joseph Benavides deserves. So I think he's the next in line. Who, who who do I think will get it? I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm and I'm going to say Joseph Benavides. Uh, Dana White recently came out and talked to TMZ and said, "Look, I think Joseph Benavides should get the next shot, and I think if Cejudo is able to defend the the belt at both weight classes, we'll keep the 125 pound division around." So I think it's a it's a great uh, idea. But again, this is him talking to TMZ, where they just stick a camera on your face and they just ask you questions, and you're just like, "Well, yeah, sure," you know. So. I don't know. I think the Faber thing, people are, are discarding it. People are saying it's crazy, but I do think it's very plausible. I, I wouldn't look if tomorrow I wake up and I open up Twitter because that's the first thing I do when I wake up and I see Faber's getting the next title shot at 135. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise no, me not one bit. Not even a little bit. I, I can't agree. With, I agree with everything you said. If they announced your eye favor was fighting Henry Zahudo for the 135 fine title, it would be the least shocking development. Oh, yeah. uh, it wouldn't. I won't say it won't, it wouldn't bother me personally because I just like high level martial arts. And that's like, I like that fight as a fight. But who deserves it? It's Joseph Benavides. I spoke with Henry Cejudo yeah. at the UFC Hall of Fame ceremony on the red carpet. And he, he told me that fight doesn't bother him at all. Like the first Demetrius Johnson fight ate him alive and that made him obsessed. But losing to Joseph Benavides didn't bother him. That was a three round fight. So who knows what would have happened? Because I don't know if you remember that that main event, I believe, was Demetrius Johnson, Tim Elliott yeah, on that same card. Right. Um, and then Joseph Benavides will should have that was he had already gone 0 and 2 against Demetrius. And so him fighting Cejudo and winning anyone else doing that would have gotten the next title shot. It just happened to be Joseph Benavides didn't deserve that that third fight. Um, but like you said, Dana was on TMZ saying Joseph Benavides will get the next title shot. But Dana was also on TMZ saying women will never fight in the UFC. And now look also, where we are. The UFC is not for sale. That's crazy. I mean, there, there's a bigger chance <laughs> of him being quarterback for, what is it, the, the Patriots? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it should be Joseph Benavidez. And then Alzheimer Sterling also said on Twitter after Joseph Benavidez won that he wouldn't have a problem if they gave Joe B. He goes, I don't have a problem if Joe B got the fight. If anyone deserves it over me, it's him. And now 
he he quote tweeted an article of Dana White saying Joseph Benavides will probably get the next title shot or Henry Cejudo should fight at flyweight next. And he said, who should I fight for the interim title? That's what Algermain said. So I think he's trying to will this interim title into existence, which just infuriated me because I hate interim titles. But right away, within seconds, Peter Yan quote tweeted it. And he's just like, I'm in. And I was like, let's, I'm in. That fight, yeah. I love it. Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, they both fought at UC 238. They were both on that Chicago card. The timeline lines up. I think it's clear, like, those two are the, the next big, like, contenders. But then Uriah Favor comes in and throws a wrench into that. But if you're asking me personally, I would like to watch Joseph Benavides fight Henry Cejudo, and I would like Aljamain Sterling to fight Peter Yan. That's my favorite scenario. But Uriah Favor is a wild card and a very popular wild card. And all this chirping they're doing on Twitter – you know the UFC's pro- like they're definitely gauging the interest in how people are taking this trash oh, talk, yeah. this trash talk on Twitter. So, uh, it, like you said, it would not surprise me if your eye favor got yet another title fight. Oh yeah, it's 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 not far fetched at all. And people are, are saying, "Are you delusional?" Like you know, he just came back from retirement. Blah, blah. Dude, it's totally possible. And actually, um, I have uh, one of my best friends. He uh, he works at the Guardian. So the way his mind works is. He's aware of everything news-wise. So he, he he knows a lot about everything, about sports, a little bit about everything, right? Uh, but it's mostly what made headlines. And I remember he came over the other day, and uh, I was watching uh, some something about Uriah Faber because I had just interviewed him. So I was, I was you know, writing a story. Um, and he goes, oh, that's Uriah Faber? And I go, uh, yeah, that's Uriah Faber. Oh, yeah, I know him. He's old, right? Like, is he coming back to fighting or whatnot? And then, <clears throat> you know, I give him the, the quick update. But. If I asked him who Aljamain Sterling is, he doesn't know who that is. If I asked him who Peter Yan is, he doesn't know who that is. If I probably ask him who Henry Cejudo is, the champ champ, he probably doesn't know who that is. He, he knows Uriah Faber, though. Uriah Faber is a big name. And we've seen the UFC, you know, time after time, skip over, you know, deserving contenders over guys that, you know, can sell sell pay-per-view. And, and that's Uriah Faber, so. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Brock Lesnar fight for a UFC heavyweight championship in his third fight? There you go. After beating Wasn't Heath Aaron. the heavyweight title held hostage the last few months because we didn't know it was depending on whether Brock Lesnar or not will we'll, we'll jump in the sport, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that you're at favorite wouldn't be able at, to get a title shot. At the end of the day, I always remind people this. Yeah, they are fighters, but they're prize fighters. Yeah. So I know our old colleague Luke got a lot of heat for saying, Chael Sonnen was a good, not great fighter. I think he was a great prize fighter. Because yeah. every fight he was in drew a lot of interest, and he headlined or co-main evented everything he was in. At, from that Neymar card fight on, pretty much, it was Chael Sonnen was a big deal on fight yeah. cards. So might not have been the most skilled fighter, but he was an unbelievable prize fighter. So yes. if, if they're in the money-making business, Uriah Faber is the name, name to go with. I'm just, I don't personally want to see that fight yet. Yeah. But yes, yeah, moving but, on. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, look, if if I wouldn't even be pissed if you do Algerman Sterling, you're out of favor for interim title. I love that fight. I just fight. Yeah, I think interim titles work when you have champ champs that are willing to defend in both divisions. In that case, you know, I don't I don't hate interim titles. Hundred percent. But moving on, another question from Clev Twenty One, uh, recommended by our readers. Super fight. Do you think there's any chance we will see GSP versus Habib and when the new UFC model with ESPN and with the new UFC model with ESPN are the days of super fights over? No, I think that's a that's a super fight. Like GSP going to a new weight class is a super fight. Uh, 
Habib has said that if he fights George St. Pierre, he'd rat, he would prefer to have it at 155 because uh, it would be for the championship. Like if he moves up to 170 and fights George or at a catchweight, like it doesn't matter. Uh, George has, wants that fight. He says he can make 155 because he was not, he's only what, 5'10, uh, 5'11. Like he's not, he's obviously huge because he mm-hmm. fought a middleweight. But if George can cut down to 155, I give him a title. He's one of the few fighters I give a title shot to right away just because he's George St. Pierre. But I don't see that fight happening anytime soon. Dana White's been pretty adamant that that fight, like he, George retired because he, he didn't get that fight. Yeah. So I personally don't see that fight happening anytime soon. I'd rather see, and selfishly, I'd rather see Habib fight Tony Ferguson first. Uh, and then obviously the the Connor rematch that everyone's talking about. But I think Habib, has, there's a lot of fights I'd see, I'd rather see now rather than have George St. Pierre come back and kind of win. And if he say he wins and then retires again, what was the point? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that fight will happen. I think if there was any time that it, it would have happened, it would have been, you know, months ago. I mean, that, that, that was the whole thing. George St. Pierre and the UFC didn't see eye to eye when it came down to negotiations. Cause I'm sure if George St. Pierre and, you know, all, all things would have been, been equal. Habib would have fought GSP probably this summer. Right. Um, but the, the reason why it didn't come down is because they didn't see eye to eye. So that fight did, did not happen. Um, now, at this point, I believe George St. Pierre is out of the USADA pool, right? So for him to come back, it'll be another six months unless they want to do a Brock Lesnar situation and just wave off the, the six-month uh, period. Um, but the, the thing that this fight has going against is that there's also several other super fights at 155. At this point, you know, a rematch with Conor McGregor would be the biggest fight maybe in combat sports history. Maybe. Um, certainly the, the biggest in MMA, for sure. If you throw Tony Ferguson in there as well, all of a sudden, I'm sure there's a lot of interest there as well. And they'll, that's I, I would consider that a super fight as well um, at this point. And uh, so, yeah, the, there's still a lot of it options and a lot of big fights at 155 that don't depend on George St. Pierre. So uh, odds are that fight doesn't happen. I agree. And I personally think if, if Habib wins, beats Dustin Poirier, which I, I lean, I favor Habib, but it's, mm-hmm. it's the 155 pound division is so chaotic. Like anything that happened, I think a fight between Habib versus Tony Ferguson is a fight for the greatest lightweight of all time. The winner of that fight to me is the greatest 155 pound MMA fighter who's ever lived. Right now, I kind of it's like BJ Penn by default based off his history. But if you were to sit there and say, I think Tony Ferguson is the greatest lightweight ever, I'd be like, yeah, all right, that's totally fine with me. And if, or if you said Habib's the greatest, I'd also agree with you. I think the winner of that fight just settles it. And to me, that is a super fight. Tony versus Habib is is one hundred percent a super fight in my mind. Yeah, it's a super fight. I, I think that question that that fight definitely answers the question of who's the best one hundred and fifty five pound fighter ever. Undoubtedly, that fight answers that. As far as the greatest, I think a lot goes into achievement. And and despite Tony Ferguson already having a a run that's worthy of of, of being called a, a championship run, like you could easily just you know. Uh, go on the Wikipedia page, edit uh, Tony Ferguson and just put him as champion. And you look at the, his run and you go, yeah, that you'd believe it. You'd be like, yeah, that's a championship run. Yeah. Um, but obviously not having the belt, I think, and all those achievements, you know, BJ Penn going up weight class, winning also the welterweight title. Um, I think he's still the greatest if we're, if we're, you know, measuring achievement. But as far as the best, yeah, Habib and, and Tony Ferguson are are the two best lightweights and they've yet to fight. So we don't really know who's the best, but those are, those two are it. 
And I'm on record saying that fight will never happen because I'm very much a believer in reverse psychology. Um, and if I say, yeah, that fight will eventually happen, I know it won't because yeah. we've been burned so many times. So that fight will never happen because I am very much in favor of reverse psychology. Yeah. Depression's um, kicking in just from you bringing this up. I remember what, what fight was it that they both uh, actually weighed in and made it two weigh-ins uh, for whatever card. I remember watching those early morning ways. I, I wrote a tweet, something like, well, I had a very like, it was a moment where it was just like, wow. How amazing would it be if, if these two would be fighting each other? Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things that like it just they'll never fight each other, and then we'll just we'll just you know be with the what if. But uh, that'd be one of the biggest one of the biggest um, I guess regrets MMA regrets not not yeah. ever making that fight possible. UFC two twenty nine, they both fought on yeah. the same card yeah. and they didn't fight each other, which broke my heart. But we're yeah. gonna move right along. Um, This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Saving money on your car insurance is easy with Progressive. It's an average savings of $796 for customers who switch and save. In fact, customers can qualify for an average of six discounts on their auto policy with Progressive, including discounts just for starting a quote online or owning multiple vehicles. Get your quote online at Progressive.com and see how much you could be saving. National average annual car insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2019. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. All right, so I'll, we can respond to this one from Milo of Croton. He Croton. I he asks questions a lot, and I never know how to pronounce his last the Croton or Croton. I apologize. Hey guys, just wondering if there's any new programming plan for Mondays now that the MMA hour is gone. Thanks. Hashtag free pizza Carol. Um, and I'm going to say the same thing I've said for the last six or seven weeks. Just stay tuned. I know everyone hates that, but there's things in the works that we can't talk about yet. But just stay tuned. I know Danny specifically, I'm sure that question is because you're on. I'm sure as soon as people saw you were on, they had a lot of questions about the MMA hour. So if you want to say anything, go ahead. Yeah, I'll just say, um, you know, there are things in the work. There are some uh, ideas, you know in the works right now uh personally like i for the most part like when i hopped in hopped on you know mma fighting like four years ago i was mainly just writing and doing a lot of social media work um and then once i moved up to new york and you know i started appearing on the mma beat and then i had the opportunity to work on the mma i, I really enjoyed working with video and it's something i want to do more of and it's something that this company values a lot because vox media is a a digital uh, company, right? So obviously video is huge for us. So we are looking to create more video content uh, and programming. Uh, that's something we're, we're always gonna, gonna be looking at. Obviously, you know, we've had a lot of people leave and there's been a little bit of a shakeup and, and things have been, uh, um, I guess, a little, you know, hectic. Uh, but, you know, what we are organizing, we are, you know, we, we have some things uh, that we're putting together. So um, just stay tuned. Yeah, just stay tuned and, and more content will be coming your way. So in yeah, the Danny's meantime, an, Danny's answer was way better than my answer. <laughs> what? Danny's answer was way better than my answer because I've said I can't tell you how many times I've said "stay tuned." So at this point, I'm just like, "Hey, stay tuned." And I know people are like, "You've been saying that, but like, you're at that." Listen to Danny; yeah. he knows what he's talking about. So I get uh, asked about it on Twitter like every day. I but can't. Even I feel like it. I answer one thing, and then the next day, still the same question. And I'm not a big social media guy anyway, so, um, yeah. Uh, stuff's coming so just stay tuned 
So moving right along, I'm pretty excited about this one from Liron Ben Naraya. Again, I really apologize if I don't pronounce if I'm mispronouncing these. Hey guys, Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. For those of you who are for those of you who are wondering how they pick first round matches, it's by facial hair. All right. Uh, now for the serious stuff. Who's a or one? Who's going to win? Worst to best first round matchup. Oh, I don't know about worst because they're all like th- these are some high level fighters. Yeah. I'll tell you the one I'm most excited for. I'm really excited for uh, Juan Archuleta versus Patricio Pitbull which is for the featherweight championship. Juan Archuleta is like moving up because you were in the, you were at New, the New York fight. Juan Archuleta had that yeah, crazy right. knockout. Yeah. And he's what he said, like, I am the next contender for 135. But now he's, um, I really like Tyron Claxton. Like he's one that had that crazy flying knee knockout that made all the highlight reels. He's a very interesting human. Uh, when I interviewed him in Chicago, he was telling me that he had a job interview with Google to code. And I was like, why are you fighting? Like, do that. Don't take brain damage. Like, go code for Google. Um, so I'm, I like watching him fight just because he's such an interesting guy. Um, yeah, there's uh, some super interesting fights. I don't know what the worst one is because I do like all of these. Their names I wish were in it. I know Pizza Carroll's probably really upset that Artem Lobov and Brandon Lochnane aren't in it. But Pedro What is Carl the final loss? They're going to unveal that. That's going to be so, the thing where deep into the tournament, they're going to say, guess what? The championship is 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 no longer on the line. We got something even better. That's the what winner. I said last week. PT Carroll was like, I want Artem Lova, Brandon Lochnane, and Pedro Carvalho in. Uh, Pedro Carvalho is obviously in it, but I said I don't like Artem Lobov should not even be in the tournament. The winner should fight Artem Lobov. Like yeah. he is the they'll, he is the he is the final boss. They'll unveil him like they did with uh, Stefan Bonner bringing in uh, oh my you God. know the the mask yeah. man and just. Unveil him. Oh, Artem Lava is here. This is who you're fighting. I want him. No, to but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, this is a really exciting tournament. Um, I, I'm really excited. This is just fun stuff. One matchup that I love is uh, Pat Curran versus um, Adam Boric. Adam Boric, you know, knocked out Aaron Pico here in New York just not so long ago. And man, interviewing him, like he just looked amazing. Um, and yeah, he, he's a fantastic fighter. And Pat Kern is, is, is as experienced as they come. This is a guy that could easily be fighting in the UFC for many years. I mean, he's been high level for a very long time. Uh, so that's a fight that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, but that's that, that's just personally. There's a, a bunch of other great fights there too. Yeah, Darren and I, I wouldn't Caldwell want to necessarily pick a worse. I think they're all good. Darren Colwell is moving up from 135 to 145 to fight Henry Corrales, the one that knocked – he's the Henry, and Henry, Henry Corrales, Corrales is the that stud, knocked man. out uh, yeah. Pico. So yeah. Aaron Pico's not in it, which I think a lot of people are surprised about, but – Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think um, Scott said something. I think speaking with uh, Ariel Hawani, I don't remember all that well, but I I think he said something like they want to take a step back from from Aaron Pico. And I think that's good. I think, you know, he needs tune-up fights. He doesn't need to be in a tournament fighting the best featherweights on the planet. The kid's only, what, 22 years old? Mm -hmm. Just starting out? Yeah. But Greg Jackson, we spoke with Greg Jackson uh, at UFC 239 Fight Week. And I asked him, I go, do you want Aaron, because Aaron Pico's now at his gym. I go, do you want Aaron Pico to take time off? And he's like, nope, I want him to get right back in there. I want him to get yeah. bigger as soon as possible. So I wouldn't sure. be surprised if Aaron, because you notice how they did, I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I didn't see any alternates announced. Because like famously, Daniel Cormier, like an unheralded Daniel Cormier was the alternate for that Strike Force heavyweight right. Grand Prix. So if they need alternates, maybe Aaron Pico is one of them. I don't know. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to see Scott Coker later today, and I, I'll ask I him. I hope not. Uh, Artem Lobov's the guy. 
No, but in all seriousness, keep, keep him away from the tournament. Uh, I think Aaron Pico should be busy. A lot of people are saying, oh, he needs time off. He needs time off. No, he's young. He needs to be fighting. He just needs to be fighting the right opposition. But, uh, yeah, throw him back in there. Yeah. And he, how long, he wasn't with Greg Jackson's team that long before he got that Borch. Yeah, so um, when I interviewed him, like, right before his fight, that had been seven weeks with the team. Yeah, um, that's not enough time. That's not enough time, yeah. So... I hope if Aaron Pico was in it, it'd be like fun to watch him fight because I think he's like, yeah, he might lose, but he's an exciting fighter to watch. So I'd enjoy I enjoy watching him fight. Yeah. But I agree with you. I don't think he should fight again until 2020. Um, but moving along, another GSP Connor question. So I think we've talked about this a few times. So well, but Danny will get your take on it. I know Dana said that he would consider Habib versus GSP. Is Habib if Habib really wanted it, but maybe the timing is right for GSP versus Connor. Neither of them have belts right now. How would a non-title pay-per-view main event do? Would GSP want it? What would it add to his legacy? Well, that fight is definitely not happening. I, yeah. I think Connor needs a fight he can win or has a shot. Like obviously Connor can beat it. Like Connor in the first round is an is an unbelievable fighter, but they're they're just stylistic matchups that you favor the other guy heavily. Habib was one of them. George would definitely be one of them. George is would be a George St. Pierre would be a huge lightweight if the fight takes place a lightweight I don't think Con, like Connor and George would want that to make a lot of money but I don't think that's a smart fight for Connor whatsoever he needs a he needs a fun stylistic matchup that he can win but that if if there's one fight that could headline a pay-per-view without a title on it it's George St. Pierre versus Connor McGregor I think that would be the biggest fight in, in UFC history in terms of pay-per-view because George is one of the three <laughs> pay-per-view kings of the UFC and Connor is the king uh, I, him and Brock hit. So it's Connor, Brock, uh, George, and then obviously like Ronda. I'd probably put four as like the three biggest draws as like individual superstars. Um, so I think that would be the biggest fight in terms of interest. But I, if I'm Connor's team, I'm like, don't take that fight. Yeah, I think if it also depends where Connor is at as far as his career. Like, there's questions about if he's ever even going to return, and if so, how long is going to be that return? If look, if the dude just plans to stick around for two or three more fights, you know, or just two or one more, or one more fight, take the biggest fight possible, even if it's you know not a good matchup. So in that case, the GSP would fight would make sense. You know, I mean, you got one more. If you lose, what does it matter, right? But if you if he's in it to make a run, if he's in it to fight a few more times to get the belt back, defend it, establish a legacy, something that I feel like fans don't feel like he's he's done enough of. Like he's done a lot of achievements. He just hasn't established something long and, and sustained. Um, then, yeah, GSP is a horrible idea to come back and, and fight. Yeah, it's a big fight, but it, it's a worse. It's a terrible matchup. I mean, we just saw the Habib fight. You, you really think that fight would go any differently with GSP? GSP is one of the best wrestlers in MMA. So, um, yeah, no to that fight. Also, I feel like GSP, yeah, he's in it for the money at this stage of his career. Um, and if he does come back, but he's all, also in it for legacy. That's why he fought Michael Bisping. That's why the belt was on the line. Conor McGregor has no gold right now. So, uh, if any, if GSP would come back under any circumstances, it'd be to face a champion. So, yeah, a hundred percent. And at the end, also looking back, I tweeted about this after Connor lost to Habib. He lost to Habib, which is the, like the highest selling UFC pay-per-view ever. He's lost to Nate the first time UFC 196, which is one of the highest. He beat Nate the second time, which is, I think the second highest at the moment, or it's yeah. top five. And then he beat Eddie, but then he also lost to Floyd. But during all this, which obviously is the second highest pay-per-view ever. It well, 
if you listen to Dana White, it did like a million, it did like 10 trillion pay-per-view buys, but I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. But at the end of the day, Connor's lost a lot of fights that a lot of people watched. He needs a he at he needs to win. Like, yeah, like so if say he fights Habib again and he loses, that's he's lost three fights in a row if you count the Floyd fight. Mm-hmm. At what point does he stop becoming a major player in combat sports if you're like if he's not winning? Honestly, I feel like at this point he's so big. I mean, he's larger than the sport that he's he's going to continue to to draw numbers. Because at the end of the day, is the 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 people that are making up those big numbers are casuals. And casuals, it's a lot easier to sell a fight to a casual than a hardcore. Hardcore would look at Conor McGregor's record and go, "What? Why is this the main event? Why am I paying money for this?" Like, you know, I, I shouldn't be watching this. I should be fighting Tony Ferguson, fighting you know uh, Habib. Or you know something like that, um, but but the casuals are the ones that are gonna be like, well, if they put this highlight reel and he has knocked out people before in the past, so you never know. It's Conor McGregor, right? So regardless, whatever fight he's in, it's gonna be big. Um, I but, I yeah, agree. I think his brand is the best when when he's winning, and I think that's why a trilogy fight with Nate Diaz makes sense. That's why I think you know the Donald Cerrone fight makes sense, and Anthony Pettis, any anybody that has no rest, well, not that has no wrestling, but Anyone that does not post the same threats that, say, a GSP or Habib uh, poses is a good matchup for him. So, uh, yeah, Connor winning is good for business. So That's why I think the Cowboy fight makes the most sense. Cowboy has yeah. the most wins, the most knockdowns, like most knockouts. Like He has all of these accolades. He's com- he, His name is all over the UFC record book. Yeah. Uh, he has, like, one, he obviously had, like, the fighter with the most wins fighting Connor McGregor that right there like and that is a very winnable fight for both men that's uh, i i've slightly leaned connor based on what we've seen like donald cerrone has gotten he's climbed to the top of the mountain and only to kind of falter um i think connor would play these mind games with cowboy like leading up to the fight and cowboy says he's matured and like remember when he fought nate nate talked a lot of crap and then donald cerrone played right into nate diaz's game inside the octagon and you you can hear greg jackson just screaming at him to like stick to the game plan and Donald Cerrone was like, oh, I'm going to box this guy up. And I think at, at the time, Nate Diaz landed the most significant strikes in the history of the UFC for a three round fight in that fight. That was the co-main event of Brock Lesnar, Alistair Overeem, fun fact, speaking of non-title fight pay-per-view headliners. Um, but George, um, George, um, Connor and Donald Cerrone, that's the fight to make to me. That's the only fight that makes sense for both men outside of a rematch with Tony Ferguson, but that's another story for Cowboy Cerrone. Moving along from Ted Bear, who asks our good friend Ted Bear, one here they one comma here they come. Chatri announced one's deal with Turner and his intentions to make of making a U.S. office in L.A. Assuming he speaks the truth, how do you see the fallout of their arrival on American soil? Well, I don't know if it's, if it's fallout. And then he asked like six questions in a row, so I'll do like rapid fire with you because we're we're at the halfway point and we have a lot of questions we we're trying to get to. Will Dana White finally meet his promoter's match as oh, I'm back. Did I we froze. Yeah, I froze. My my stream froze. Uh and now I'm back. So I don't know what you said in the last like 20 seconds or so. Were you expecting also a response from me? Was I just quiet? Was I thought you were just like, I'm done talking. That's hilarious. Oh, was that was my frame frozen or, or what? I don't I have no idea. I was reading the question. That's hilarious. I didn't oh, even know you, know you <laughs> well, I'm sure what you said about uh, I agree with your points. I agree with your points. 
So, but we're going to do a rapid fire one here because we have a lot of questions to get to. And this person has six questions in one thing, but they all seem to be like, yes or no. Um, about one championship. Chachi announced one's deal with Turner. Well, I'm going to re repeat it for Danny. Chachi announced one's deal with Turner as an intention of making a U.S. office in L.A. Assuming he speaks the truth, how do you see the fallout of their arrival on American soil? I don't know if it's going to be fallout, uh, but real rapid fire. Will, da will Dana White finally meet his promoter's match as Trotri City Dog is quick to spin a, t a tall tale or two? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think, I think we already we're already seeing how like one is positioning their company as like it's one versus the UFC. Like we're we're you know we're not even number two. Like we're competing for number one. Yes. Um, and I think with the recent acquisitions of, uh, you know, American fighters and not only American fighters, but former UFC fighters and former UFC champions and prospects, uh, I think it could position, position themselves as, as, you know, little rival to Dana White. I don't think Dana sure. White's going to, I don't even think, I know Dana White's not really going to care because how many times have we seen Dana White being like, I don't like, they're nothing. Like when Scott Coker went to Bellator, that was like a major move because they let go of Bjorn Rebney and brought in Scott Coker, who used who worked for the UFC after the Strike Force acquisition, has been in the, the combat sports MMA game for a long time. Dana White's like, I don't care. Like they're not like I don't view them as a rival or number two. Like they're just there next to the U.S. Like they're not yeah. next to the UFC. They're just there. So I don't think Dana's really gonna care. Um, will he pay? Will other people in the UFC pay attention for sure? But the question is specifically asking about Dana White. I don't think Dana's gonna care. But Will this competition finally raise the UFC minimum wage above twelve thousand? Show many a fight. I don't think so. I don't. I'll just say no. I don't know what your opinion is. No. Yeah. Because we also don't know. Like the one championship hasn't even had an event here in the United States, so I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, and they don't disclose their their. It's not bingo. like here in, in in the U.S. where like. The UFC has to disclose, like, you know, payments to the commission. And, and you know, us media, we get that information and, and we get that out. Uh, with one out of... Uh-oh. Danny froze again. Danny's internet is down. So I'll just move along because I don't know if you guys can see Danny, but I cannot. Um, will it help the UFC dismiss all lawsuits claiming it is a monopoly? No, that will not happen. Um, who will be the next former UFC star to defect to one, either as a fighter or an executive? That's an excellent question. If I'm putting money down, I'm going to say Chris Cyborg, just because I know her contract is coming up and her and Dana White and the UFC kind of have this, this feud going on, on social media. Um, so I don't expect her to sign with one, but if you ask me to just name a fighter that I could foresee her going, I could foresee her going to one championship. But again, who, who would she fight? Like, I don't think she's going to fight Gabby Garcia, who's in Rising, because they're good friends. I know a lot of people are going to say that that would be the first name off the top of her head, but I don't think that fight is ever going to happen. Uh, what is your take on one? Generally, former UFC fighters like Brandon Vera seem to love it, but Chachi seems as trustworthy as Pinocchio Dana White. Um, I like it as an alternative. I do... I am wary of their weigh-in, like the regulations regarding their weigh-ins, how they don't show the broadcast of the early morning weigh-ins and stuff like that. And you hear fighters say, like, that fighter definitely cut weight. Like, yeah, fighters, for those of you who don't know, their weight divisions are a little above. So, like, if Eddie Alvarez fought 155 in the United States, he's probably fighting 170 in one championship against other fighters. Is Danny back? I'm back. 
I was trying I, I was trying to I was trying to hold down the fort while you were gone. I was probably people were probably like get this clown off my camera. But what was the last thing you heard? So I was I don't even know what you heard from from my end. All I said was the the one doesn't disclose uh yes. its pay. So um that's a big one. I mean, if they somehow do and fighters find out that they can make more money um at one and say one became a big player in the US, maybe then the UFC would look into it, but even then I think there's so many advantages within the UFC that many fighters are willing to take pay cuts just to fight under those three letters. Bingo. You hit it right on the head. So quickly, yes or no, and then because we got to move on quickly. Will it help UFC dismiss all lawsuits claiming it is a monopoly? Yes or no? Uh, of course, but I think those lawsuits are kind of silly because there's a bunch of other players. Um, but yeah, the, the more competition, the more that, that claim goes away, right? I just don't think that's ever, that UFC will ever... I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I think that's uh, that's way far because lawsuits take years. So yeah. that's not going to change anytime soon, I should say. Who will be the next former UFC star to defect to one, either as a fighter or an executive? When you were frozen and off the air, I said Chris Cyborg would be the one off the top of my head. I don't expect it to happen, but I lean her because her contract is coming up. Mm -hmm. And her and Dana White kind of have this back and forth going on on Twitter. Like, you turned down the fight. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Now he has Amanda Nunes saying she turned down the fight. I say Chris Cyborg just based on the fact her contract is coming up. And uh, her and Dana White have not seen eye to eye lately. Yeah. I, I think Chris Cyborg might end up with Bellator. I mean, she's worked with Scott Coker in the past. And I don't know if you've, like, kept uh, – have, have seen – well, her Twitter's always busy. But um, she's <laughs> been tweeting some Bellator stuff and being very complimentary oh, yeah. of, uh, you know – the fighters over there and and they actually Belter actually has an 145 pound division, a women's featherweight division, uh, you know, in the organization, which is something that USC can't really say. Um, they have a belt, but not a division. So, um, and, and I they, think Cyborg has been very open about that. Like, Hey, UFC creates stuff. So I don't know. I can definitely see Cyborg, you know, leaving the UFC, but as far as like fighters going to one, um, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. That's, I'll have to get back to, to you on that one. I also, Julia Budd spoke with MMA Fighting, said that a fight against Chris Cyborg is something she is absolutely open to. And she's like, she said, like, come on down. Um, yeah. But I know Chris Cyborg is in Asia quite a bit, either for training camp or, va or just vacationing or whatever. So I don't expect her to go to one, but if there's one fighter on the UFC roster right now, I lean her, but we have to see, like if she runs through Felice Spencer at UFC 240 and gets the immediate rematch of Amanda Nunes, I don't think she's leaving the UFC. Yeah. Um, and then finally, what is your take on one generally? Former UFC fighters like Brandon Vera seem to love it, but Chachri seems as trustworthy as Pinocchio Dana. Now, before you came back, I said the weigh-in, their weigh-in thing, where they don't show the weigh-ins, they don't broadcast the early morning weigh-ins and everything. I'm not a big fan of that, especially because they, you know, they have that rule where like Eddie Alvarez is basically fighting at 170, or they're fighting like a weight class above, yep. but calling it something else. And now, Eddie, you always hear like, yeah, this fighter isn't supposed to cut weight, but he's definitely cutting weight. So it's like Eddie Alvarez fighting like a 185 pound fighter at 170. I don't like that whatsoever. Um, Self-regulation is also another story. I know. I think Will Chope was on Facebook like just rinsing them. Saying yeah. like he does, he basically like if they make the rules, they can bend the rules and just do whatever they want. So, uh, I the weighing thing is real weird for me, but I'd like to hear your opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of sketchy things about you know the way one runs things. Uh, the weigh-ins for one is is weird because 
you ask fighters like, oh, do you know how much your opponent weighed? They have no clue. No uh, idea. I think that's kind of important, right? That's why there's weight classes. But look, the, one is growing and one is down to pay purses that you can't really find in the local circuit. Plus, if you have leverage, if you're a big name, say like Demetrius Johnson, Sage Northcutt, Eddie Alvarez, you know, they're willing to 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 accommodate you just as, as Bellator does, just as any promotion does to any value, valuable assets. So if you can be valuable for them, of course, you're going to be happy because you're probably going to make good money. They'll probably promote you um, and you'll probably have a little bit more say about your future than you would in, in a larger company uh, like the UFC. And that works. That, that, that's true across, across like any other major company, even outside of like sports or, or MMA. Right. Um, so I think for, for a lot of fighters, it is a good vehicle. It is a good, uh, a, a good promotion to, to fight for. hundred uh, percent. Competition is good. And at the end, I, I like I like the Muay Thai kickboxing MMA style where like fighters yeah. could do all three if they want. But yeah. uh, we're running real close on time, so we're going to move along because we also have to jump to Twitter. I haven't even got a chance. Uh, GDR, good afternoon, guys, from Rob Holland. Uh, even after a good one-punch win, GDR is still getting heat, even though she has zero to do with the stoppage by Herb. What do you think is the best path for her to win back the fans? Does she wait for Nunes, or does she take another fight to stay more active? And, of course, what did you guys think of the finish? Hated the finish. Uh, hated the finish because it was – I thought it was premature, but it's always like did the referee just step in to save her? Because at the end of the day, no unnecessary damage is what they're trying to protect. They're trying to protect the fighter from that. So did he stop it at the right time? It didn't look like it, but I, I get it because – she her she her back was to GDR like she was like her hands were on the canvas and her back was there she wasn't out but maybe three or four more punches and she'd go to sleep. Uh, so, so I didn't like the stoppage because as soon as it happened I'm like well that's that's not what GDR needs Jermaine Duran to me that is the last thing she needs is another wonky finish and another weird win. So what she needs to do to win back the fans I don't think she needs to do anything because the fans shouldn't be against her in the first place. Uh, and if I'm her. I have to wait for the Chris Cyborg Spencer fight uh, because whoever wins that will probably fight Amanda Nunes. And if Amanda Nunes doesn't want to fight, say Cyborg loses and she doesn't want to fight at 145 anymore because that fight is the only one that interests her, then she'll, she should fight Jermaine Durandamy. I think Jermaine Durandamy is the clear cut number one contender at Bantamweight, in my opinion. I know Juliana Pena has been racking at, rapping at the door, but I think we have to wait for UFC 240 for the Cyborg fight before we can really see what's next for both divisions yeah i um i see your point as far as like that's the last thing she needed and 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 i think you know obviously it has value and i think i think uh you know you you make a good point but i, w- I would actually offer a different point of view i actually think that this finishes is, is probably helps her and is not exactly what she needed but Jermaine is developing whether she wants it or not. She's developing a a type of personality or, or character within MMA about um, kind of being a villain. And uh, she's done well in the sense of like, look, uh, dissociating from fans and being like, hey, look, uh, you know, like you guys say whatever you want. I'm going to do me. Um, and, I, and I don't share it. I don't see it that way. But like her not fighting Cyborg and saying, no, I'm going to take care of my injuries, which is very common once fighters reach the title. I mean, Henry Cejudo is about to get surgery, right? Kamara Usman uh, is just healing up from surgery. So it's very normal for fighters to win a belt and be like, hey, I'm going to take care of my body right now. Because um, a lot of fighters destroy their body to get there. So I'm not hating on Jermaine for that. But a lot of fans are. And I feel like her brand is 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 
getting bigger because of that. I mean, Josh Koshik made a career out of being hated. Um, so, you know, it's always nice to have fans being on your side, but, you know, having fans being on the other side of the fence, it's not really all that bad either if, you know, ultimately your goal is to make money and get opportunities. So um, she did her job. She got, you know, it was a solid performance. It was on the ref that, you know, stopped the fight. I actually don't really disagree. I thought it was premature, but I don't really disagree with it all that much. Like I think um, Lad was not intelligently defending herself. She had her hands on the ground, not covering her face, wasn't even looking at the opponent. And when the fight was stopped, you know, she had like this, this blank look on her face. Um, maybe she would have fought out of it. Maybe not. We've seen fighters fight out of even worse positions and worse states. But the fact is that Jermaine landed, dropped her, uh, and caused damage. So um, I actually definitely see a path for her to, to fight for the belt at 135. So again, a lot depends on what Cyborg uh, does um, in her upcoming fight. But I think JD, uh, Jermaine is, is, is a huge player there. And while I agree with you that villains, the world needs villains, like in the professional wrestling world, like villains are like, you need those. Like Josh yeah. Kotschek, we just talked about Chael Sonnen is a great prize fighter. He made himself yeah. a great prize fighter because he played the villain. But Jermaine Durandamy is such a likable person when you interview She's her. She's so nice, yeah. And like I, I interviewed her in Denver and she was crying in her post-fight scrum because, and you said she needed to heal her injuries and stuff. I don't know if you remember that, but she said she got an eye injury in camp and almost lost her eye. Like she almost went completely blind in her eye. So she's like, I might not have never fought again. And it hit, you could see that moment hit her where not only did I fight, but I, I won. And she was just crying. She's like, I love, I love martial arts so much. I just love, love everything about it. So I get it, but Jermaine is not going to do that. And if it did, if she did, it would come off so disingenuous to me because I'm like, what are you doing? You're such a like, you're so nice that you being mean just doesn't seem real to me. I mean, I feel like that's that falls on the fan base. Like she doesn't have to change who she is and all of a sudden no. be like mean and, and, and being rude. But like, I don't know if you remember, not not so long ago, Daniel Cormier wasn't the most popular fighter out there. He was hated on a lot. And this is a dude that was just wanted to compete and do his best. And, and he put it all on the line every single time yet fans hated on him because you didn't really beat John Jones and this and that now all of a sudden with becoming champ champ and, and all this, he's kind of changed public perception. Now he's, I think the fans, uh, you know, are appreciating, are appreciating him a lot more, but you know, I don't think Jermaine has to be like this like evil person for her to sort of take that torch. And I, I think as long as, cause I know like she, she did several interviews where she'd be like, yeah, like I'm getting all these comments and they're affecting me. Like people are telling me to kill myself and like all these horrible things. Like people are mean on the internet, man. Uh, but if she can shut that off and just keep doing her thing. And if this is the, this is the way the chips are falling, roll with it. I mean, at the end of the day, this sports entertainment. So, uh, you know, whether they want to see you lose or they want to see you win, what matters is that they want to see you fight. So, uh, she's got yeah. that going for her. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I just, yeah. Of course I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, former featherweight champion, Jermaine Durandamy. Neither of us mentioned that. Uh, she yeah, was the inaugural champion. champion. Never fought. So if she gets to fight for a second belt and actually have a great performance and defend. I also, I just like that fight. Like Jermaine, Amanda, I just like that fight again. Yeah. Um, I just think that's another high level martial arts fight. And where they were Dude. years ago is they're not the same fighter. P people are blinded by, because I, I do think like, the way she maybe phrased things and the way she handled things when she won the title was a little off. Like 
I think those comments would have probably served better maybe like a few weeks down the road, not immediately in the post-fight speech where it's like, eh, you know, I don't really have plans of defending the belt. Nonetheless, um, man, I just forgot what I was going with this. <laughs> oh, it happens oh, yeah. to the best of us. And I remember. Uh, fans are blinded by that, but Jermaine is actually a badass fighter. She's yes, a striker and she's super good and she's got tons of power. She throws hard. She's very technical. Like, she's legit, man. I love watching her fight. Yeah, I which I was not upset she headlines that that Sacramento card. I I was more upset that we didn't the fight didn't last longer because I enjoy I like also enjoy watching Aspen Lad fight. Like I just want to watch a high-level yeah. martial arts fight between two great mm-hmm. fighters through five rounds. But moving along, because we still have a few questions. We have about 10, 15 minutes left, and I do want to get to Twitter. Uh, Rafael Lovato made an appearance at Bellator 224, but no plans for his title defense were announced. What is your guess? Whom is he going to fight next, really? Well, I think the answer is he's going to fight the winner of Lyoto Machida, Gegard Musasi rematch. Uh, he was on the record saying that he, would, he wouldn't blame Bellator if they had booked the immediate rematch between him and Musasi uh, because Musasi had that long run. It was a very close like a lot of people might have scored it for Musasi, a lot of people scored yeah. it for Lovato. I know Luke Thomas was on record saying it's not an upset. Like he laid the path out for Lovato to win. He, if Lovato's saying he has no problem rematching Musasi, Musasi gets this long-awaited, uh, long-desired rematch against Machida. I think the winner of that, no-brainer, fights Rafael Lovato next. Yeah, I agree with that. Bingo! Look at that. You're welcome, Bellator. Um, but final question on the site. Uh, hey guys, when when this question was asked in the past for multiple posters, it was brushed off with a vague "we ain't going anywhere" type of rhetoric. But I'll be more specific. Can you elaborate on why a majority of the top tired talent has parted ways with MMAfighting.com? I'm not insulting anyone that still works there, but it's strange. An actual answer in any way, with what can be said, would be appreciated. Thank you. And I will say, I don't. I ask them. I, it's not my place. It's not my place to tell people tell you guys why sean chuck dave luke aren't here so ask them and they'll give you because except in the day they have their reasons and i think i think you should they they should be the ones to tell you guys i mean i don't really understand the question i'm a little bit confused because i mean you're looking at the top talent so (laughs) i'm just kidding no i mean it's it's obvious like you know we've we've lost some people uh in the last few months um but i i think that's the way the world works like i have friends that are you know in working in media right now and they've been at a company for a certain amount of years and now they're looking to go elsewhere um nothing lasts forever man like you know pe- people move around people change jobs that, that that's what happens um and i think everyone that has left has always like been has, has posted something on twitter or has has opened up about their de- departure or whatever so i guess everybody has personal reasons so you can ask them um, but you know, this is the way it is. And, and I, I understand the concern. I think people are worried about MA fighting because for so long, this has been a, a community where you can come in, get your news, but not only that you hop in the comments, you know, I mean, just right now we're, we're addressing our community from MMA fighting. And all I can say is that that still won't change. We'll still be producing top-notch content. Uh, we still have, you know, a super talented team. And not only that, we still have one of the, some, one of the biggest teams in MMA. Um, and wherever you look at it in every area, we got Esther Lynn. She's the most badass uh, photographer in MMA, uh, probably in sports period. Uh, videographer, we, we got Casey Lydon, who, who's, who's another badass, who always kills it. Um, you're doing a great job with the with the A-side and, and continuing to, like, step up in other areas as well. We got the bad boy, AK Lee, <laughs> the baddest man in MMA media, to be honest. 
you go to Europe, we got the baddest journalist as well in, in, in the European scene. I don't even need to talk about Brazil. Guillermo Cruz is a beast over there. Um, Damon Martin, dude, that, that dude's been writing and, and working in MMA media before I even got into it. Um, who am I missing here? Uh, we, we got we got a very talented crew. Uh, you got me as well. I'm around here. So, uh, dude, this is a great team, and, and we're going to still be producing great content. So the side will be fine. And I also don't like speaking for because, like, I'm still – like, everyone that left – you and I are still really good friends with. There's, no, there's literally no animosity between right. anyone who left the site and us. Like if I, I like Sean's still one of my really good friends. He lives in Arizona. I talk to Mark about professional wrestling literally every single day on Twitter. Um, and I know when you join the athletic, you write everyone that joins the athletic has to write a long piece on why they joined the athletic. So if you want to know why Chuck and Sean are at the athletic now, they literally wrote out why they, why they're there. Um, and then Luke is doing his thing at Showtime. I'm happy for him and his family. And he kind of explained it, uh, like the 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 yeah. He explained it. You you were there, obviously. Um, yeah. So also, I don't like I personally don't like speaking for people because I'm not them, and I don't want to put words in their mouth. And they come back and say, "Hey, why'd you say this?" I'm like, "So ask them." Um, but yeah, we're gonna jump to Twitter really quickly because we got wait, one real quick. Mike Chiapetta, oh. forgot about him. Another OG. Oh, Mike Chiapetta. Yeah, beautiful man. Hey, Jose and Danny, updates. Any update on fights for one, Jose Alde or Gregor Gillespie? And what do you think of Gillespie versus Aldo or Gillespie versus Dubronx Oliveira at 155? So I have been saying forever Gillespie versus Charles Oliveira is the fight that I personally want to watch. Might not make sense in terms of ranking or title contention. I just want to watch that fight. I think that's Greg Gillespie has a lot of questions like, how would you do against a high-level black belt? There's questions, how would Charles Oliveira do against a high-level wrestler? I just want to watch that fight to answer those questions. And I think Jose Aldo should stay at 145 and not go up to 155. I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite, man. I think Aldo has a lot of fun fights at 155. That's where I want to see him. And at this point, after losing to Volkanovski and having those two losses to Max, um, I just don't... I guess maybe there is a path if Frankie Edgar picks up a win. Maybe there's a path back to the title, but... Right now, I, I don't really see it. Uh, I, I would pick Max Holloway to win that fight, although Frankie Edgar is always a game. You know, I can't I can't discard that. But I'd like to see him test the waters at 155. You know, weight cutting when when you're already in your 30s can can always, you know, hinder your performance. You don't know until you go up a weight class and find out. So go up to 155. Have a fun fight and, and, and see, see what happens. Worst comes to worst, you just drop back to 145 like you never left. So... Um, I'd like to see Aldo at 155. As far as Gregor Gillespie, Charles Oliveira, I'm all in. Sign me up. Uh, I think they're both ranked at this point at, at 155. They're definitely in the top 15. And I think Charles Oliveira finally, you know, his crazy ideas of going back to 145 are, are already gone, I think. I think he's already establishing himself in that weight class. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's do it. I don't think Charles Oliveira is going to go to 145 as long as he keeps winning because he has the record for like most submissions, most performance. I know it's ridiculous, but stuff. in every post-fight speech, I think he he always makes a case for for a drop, which is ridiculous. It's like, yo, you just you don't realize you just picked up a, a, a victory at 155, right? So, yeah, I think and I get out. Everyone, there's a lot of fun fights that Jose Aldo could take at 155, but. I want to see Jose Aldo fight Brian Ortega. I want to see him rematch Korean Zombie. Frankie Edgar wins. He has two wins over Frankie Edgar, two like five-round decisions. There's still a lot of fun fights at 145 I want to see Jose Aldo take. 145 is super exciting. And then obviously that Cub Swanson fight that everybody keeps calling for to rematch. Like imagine Crone Gracie versus Jose Aldo. Like 
I love everything about it. So there's fights at both, but all this jumping up and weight down, like one, there's a lot of huge 155ers. Jose Aldo's not that big. So there, if he if he can make 145 <laughs> healthy, I want him to stay at 145 because there's yeah. fights I selfishly want to see. But we're out of time. It's 11 o'clock. Danny, I know you watch the A-side every single week. You know what time it is. You get your promo. The floor is yours, sir. So um, this is a little bit of what we addressed earlier, uh, but I, I, I kind of want to take it a little more broad and, and just outside of the uh, Algerman Sterling, Henry Cejudo, Faber, just Benavita situation. Guys, wake up. Open your eyes. <laughs> take the red pill, all right? Move your eyelids back and look around. MMA is no longer a sport. If you're going to come, come at me on Twitter and be like, hey, but, but he's not in the rankings. But, you know, he's not in the top 10. But he's 40 years old. But this, but the layoff. Look, Dan Henderson got a title shot being outside of the top 10, being one and one. All right? Conor McGregor didn't want to fight for, uh, what, two years? Also assaulted some people in a bus. Uh, got into a bunch of trouble. And then, you know, got to headline one of the biggest and, and made it the biggest pay-per-view in MMA history. Uh, I can keep going down the list. Brock Lesnar held a division hostage this summer just because there might have been a possibility for him return. And he hadn't fought in forever. Also, his win over Mark Hunt, his last win, was questionable. Um, man, I can just sit here and, and keep going on and on and on and on for days. Guess what? Tony Ferguson, the man has been undefeated since 2013. I was still in college. Didn't even know what I was doing. Nowadays, I'm a tax-paying adult that pays rent, utilities, cleans his apartment and meal preps on Sunday, and the dude's still undefeated and it still hasn't gotten a title shot. So guess what? This is not a sport. This is sports entertainment. So wake up. If you're still using rankings as, hey, look, but this guy deserves that. This guy deserves this. The MMA that you knew from from six seven years ago is, is not the same not the same MMA that we see today. Sports entertainment. If you can sell, you can get a fight. So, I just wanted to get that get that out of the way. I thought I thought it was pretty clear at this point. I thought you know in 2019 we kind of know how things work, but apparently a lot of people don't. So I just had to get that out of my chest. Well said, sir. So my and I agree with you. I like I I still view it as a sport but when i do fantasy matchmaking like cynthia calvillo came at me on twitter this like recently because i said um she should fight van buren who just picked up a big fight at ufc sacramento and she's like she's not even ranked she has one fight i'm like i get it i just like high level martial arts like it doesn't make sense um and we're getting the timer that we have to go and i'm gonna say we didn't even get to talk about ufc san antonio leon edwards fights on saturday seven fight win streak if he wins and colby covington wins colby covington should fight kamar uzman and leon edwards should finally get Look for revenge for that three-piece in the soda against Hari Masvidal. And the winner of that gets the winner of Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. But at the end of the day, Colby Covington has to fight Robbie Lawler. No chance. There's no guarantee he wins that fight. That's my promo. Danny, we're, we've gone a little bit over time. I'm getting told we have to go. So until next week, uh, I don't know who my co-host is going to be. Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, this will go up on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that fun stuff. But until next week, see you guys. Later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.